This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And welcome back to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Yashinez. This is our preview episode of Fulham's match against Crystal Palace on Sunday. That's going to be an early one for me and you, Yanis. I look forward to that. I cannot wait to really dive into talking about this, my friend. You and I were talking about this before we started, before we went live. So we're going to start here because I need to do something just to get us going. We need to thank someone. I I think you're going to agree with me on this. Let's thank West Brom for helping us out here. Again, they get a huge victory. Yeah, so let's start here against Brighton. It makes things really tight. And we're recording this a little under an hour for when Newcastle United play Wolves. And we'll have more than one eye on that as well. So, so far, the results have gone our way, my friend. Let's talk about this because this started the day off on a good foot for us. I, I, I think Graham Potter, Graham Potter, and the team. You know, they were devastated after that that uh, the battle of the birds early this week. Yeah, and they'll travel south from the Hawthorns and go. What? What the hell was that? I mean, the first ten fifteen minutes didn't look like they could defend. I know the sun was coming in with shadows. Yeah, Bartley scored an early goal. You know, you've missed two penalties, and then there was that controversial free kick, which I thought was a, you know, a Lee Mason absolute total utter screw up. And uh, I'd like to see what the press is going to look like after, because um, yeah, um, everything that could have gone wrong for West Brom did. But having said that, they had enough chances to have got something against the West Brom side, who, you know, they lots of puff and puff. Didn't really create anything, but they got the three points, which is great for us. We keep That's right. four points ahead. So, to Big Sam and West Brom, well done. We'll give Absolutely. you that much. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I actually got a message from Andy Calton, Andy from New Hampshire on Twitter, if, or I think it's Andy from New Hampshire. Anyways, Andy is a good friend, and he's a West Brom supporter, and he's actually been on the show several times. 
And uh, I, I congratulated him, and he basically was just letting me know that uh, it's, you know, again, they're doing their job. They're keeping everyone close, keeping their hopes alive, which I think are just just a little bit. Let's just put that into context for West Brom. But, again, they needed to win. They got the victory, and that keeps Brighton and Hove Albion close. And it's strange, Giannis. I keep saying that Brighton don't look like a team that is near the bottom. Neither do we. But what do you think is wrong there before we move on? Because they look so good, but they can't finish. And, uh, you, you know, they, they have these shocking results. And then they also have shocking positive results. I, I, I thought they tore apart Tottenham. What is the deal with Brighton Hove Albion? They can't score for Lick. <laughs> they can't score. You know, they've got the strikers like, you know, Mope and, and Welbeck and the creativity of um, – Trossard and, and Yeah, they have the some creative players there. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they, you could see little patches in that game. Um, West Brom pressed pretty high up the, the pitch, and then but once there were patches where when Brighton got the ball and they, they moved the ball really quickly, they looked very very good. And look, this is you don't become a bad team overnight, and you've no. seen with some of their results. But um, I think I've said this before, and I'll say this again. Um, sometimes it's a reaction from a defeat. Palace, I hate it when people say it's the M23 derby. Yeah, it's, not a, it's not a derby, it's no, a rivalry. It's right. There's but a difference. Is, but it is a bit, uh, this is, the, the rivalry has gone back many, many years. And I've been at Sellers Park for a few of those games. And it's, it's very intense. They, the, the clubs, for whatever reasons, don't like each other. So you could tell the seriousness of which Roy approached the game. Yep. Um, the way that they were set up and, you know, what they felt they needed to do to get a result, not just because it was, you know, then both teams near the bottom, but again, in terms of that rivalry. And um, to lose it the way they did in the fifth minute to a breakaway Benteke, it was a nice goal, but, I mean, two touches in in the in 90-odd minutes in the opposing penalty area is just, it's, it's beyond robbery. So they'd have been a really big down there and um, yep. it's a big moment and they didn't have a lot of time to recover and today they no. had sort of hits and bots and, but they had chances. Two penalties. Yeah. You know, the, this, everybody's copying the, um, um, you know, Fernandez taking, you know, the, let's copy the, you know, the stop start Fernandez penalty, yep. which annoy me. And the second one, you know, or the the the, the second one, the first one, of course, it was second one was the crossbar. But I mean, I felt a bit sorry for Brighton actually because that free kick thing was such a disaster. Mason blows the whistle, uh, Dunk takes the free kick because the keeper's not set up, but he's blown the whistle. He yeah. plays with the whistle, it's in. He gives the goal. Then he decides to go to VAR to disallow. And once you, as a player, have that kind of ref. You lose trust, and then things start going falling apart. So, it was um, it was a it, it was a weird one. But yes, thank you, West Brom. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, my friend. All right. Well, let's get into talking about this match, and uh, let's just start here because again, I've watched a few Crystal Palace matches uh, recently, and I do think that we need to talk about the first time the teams played. We'll talk about that in just a bit. But I just want to get your overall thoughts on them. And, and of course, we will 
focus on what they're like without Zaha, what they're like with, with Zaha, because I think it's significant. But as we found out, they found a way to beat Brighton without Zaha. They actually did find a way. So we'll talk about that because, again, there's a big part of me that says this is a, a huge deal, but I just watched the team, like you said, just find a way to win and didn't deserve to win, I think. I'm talking about the way that they, they beat uh, uh, Brighton and Hove Albion, uh, the way, you know, the way that Crystal Palace won that match. But they found a way. So I, 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 let's just start with your overall thoughts on Crystal Palace this season. And uh, then we'll talk about Roy a little bit. Well, in the first game we played them down, uh, down at the cottage, we uh, we had a lot of possession first seven, eight minutes. They hit us in the break. It was a ball over from Zahar and Riedewald scored. And then really for the, the rest of the game, we were huffing and puffing until they got us again on the break with Zahar and then Reed Harrison got a late one. But it wasn't a 2-1 game. It wasn't that close. They, I, I thought they were very good and very compact and very organised. And that was the start of the season. We really didn't seem to have any sort of identity. We didn't look like we were correcting the capable of creating chances. The Palace side are infuriating. I mean, Zaha's a real, real quality player. Thank God yep. he's not playing tomorrow. He's worth a goal if it's not scoring, but um, creating. But I think what, it goes thought, beyond him scoring, though. I think it's just how he affects that entire side. Yeah. Oh, big time. I mean, you take, um, as a, you know, you take Grealish out of a Villa lineup. You take Madison out. So Grealish out of a, um, yeah, Villa lineup. Madison out of a Leicester City lineup. Right. Um, we have, there's a number of teams in this division where if you take one player out, it just changes the whole dynamic. Zahar's like that. So they set up to against West against um, Brighton to defend for their lives. And how Brighton have not beaten Palace is is much like how, how have Brighton not beaten West Brom today. There were okay. so many chances. Palace were very lucky. Um, and it sort of annoys me a bit because if you look at the players that they do have, they've got a lot of quality. Um, even if you looked at the, I mean, I was looking at the bench for the bench against Brighton. You know, you can bring um, players like Van Aanholt on, and, and, yeah. and Bente- Benteke was on the bench. McCarthy, uh, Batshuayi, um, Scott Dan, who can do a good job at the back. You got all these quality players, and yet you go there to basically defend for your lives for ninety-five minutes to nick a result. Um, they're what I, I would say is a typical the, the Palace are what I think are the fourteenth place team. Okay. Every year, mid-table where does Palace finish? Team that Just again, this is who below. they are. This, this is, is who, who they are. are. Okay. And when he uh, Roy seventy three, do they renew his contract? He comes with Louis. They have a certain identity. Um, I think they actually need a fresh change at the top at the end of the season. Someone like Eddie Howard, I think, would be perfect coming. That's the name. I Actually, I watched a, a podcast, and I'll say it on the Fulmish podcast, and the uh, gentleman that does a video on Crystal Palace was suggesting they were talking about Eddie Howe, and that sounds like a natural fit for Crystal Palace. And, uh, again, what I'm reading, what I'm seeing, what I'm listening to, sounds like the Crystal Palace supporters are – Pretty much, and again, I'm, I'm I'm just going through a smattering of of what I've uh, seen that um, they're not happy with the style of play from Roy, and and they're thinking like you you're thinking, Giannis, maybe it's time to move on from him. 
Yeah, I, I, I do. I think I think he's outlived. I think he's outlived uh, his purpose, and we all love Roy to death. Yeah, but they've got a lot of talent, and there's always been. I think for the last couple of years, there's been the, the, the hanging sort of cloud of what happens to, to Zahar. Zahar. Zahar's never happy. Zahar needs to be loved. Da da da. I think he should be at a bigger club, but then you look at the, the, the players he's got around him. Um, does Hodgson get as much from the players that, that he has? Than they should do, you know. Are they underperforming? Yep. Um, I know there's been a lot, a lot of pushback in terms of Milivojevic this year. He's been under par, um, which is, and luckily the pickup of Eze was a very good one for Palace. He's been very good, but there's been there've been a lot of con- inconsistent performances. I know Liverpool absolutely stomped on them, but then they went to West Brom and got a thumping win there. But you know, um, and although Palace fans were relieved about. You know, a lot of Palace fans on my feed, they were relieved yep. about the Brighton win, partially because it was, you know, smashing the Seagulls. That's right. A lot of fans are not happy with the style of play. So exactly. tomorrow's game is an interesting one because they sat back for 95 minutes. In this game, they're at home. Do they, do they, do they try and push the issue or do they try and play like they did against us at the Cottage? But that's similar to the way we play, and we're a lot more confident. It's going to, it's, it's a re, it's, I said it's a battle of the foxes. It is, take- it is. And it's going to be interesting, the strategy, the tactics in this, Giannis. And when we really break it down, because I'm going to put you in the shoes of Roy and also of Scotty, what would you do? Because I, I think it's fascinating. What is going to be the approach of Roy Hodgson here? Because would he mm-hmm. do the exact same thing that he did at the cottage? Is he going to be more aggressive against Fulham? at Selhurst Park, it's actually very interesting. But before we move on, I actually want to go back to this because we started talking just a little bit about the first time the teams met and you kind of broke it down. I want to ask you this. What can we learn from that? What can Scott Parker learn from that that he can take into this match? Because I actually actually uh, answered uh, the Eagles beak, and, and, uh, which is a, a website about Crystal Palace for Crystal Palace supporters. And one of the things that I said, Giannis, is that I thought Scott could learn some things from the first matchup. So I'm asking you, what do you think he can learn and take into this next match against Roy Hodgson? Well, one of the big equations is out, out of the equation, and that is the, the elimination of Wilfred Zahar because he's that good a player. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. I mean, they've got a, and, and unfortunately, I believe Palace will lose him at the end of the season. I think where, regardless of whether Roy stays or not, I think he wants right. to go to a bigger club. He wants to play Champions League. That's fine. Um, if you look back at that first game, there was a lot of the back and forth, ticky tacky across the back four. Tim Ream. I mean, you know, I mean, it was it was it was a it was a poor effort. And as I said, the score um, disguised how poor we actually were that day. I think this is a completely different different game altogether. Um, okay, that's why I wanted to go back yeah. to the first one to see what we could take and what we can expect this time around. Yeah, if if Zahar was there, you'd know you've got to you've got to track Zahar's runs into pockets, and the way we try and cover the zones one and two defensively, zonally, then that's going to be an important job for probably for for for, uh, for Joachim and um, and Kenny or Ola. But because he's not in the lineup, you now have a a different kind of problem. Benteke is one of these kids who. Can score goals, but it's a confidence player. You've got Mateta, who's just obviously coming on loan. Yep. Who scored a goal, but, a he could have, goal. 
but he could have been the goat if they hadn't gone off. You know, he's he's just joined the club and he does, does a nice little flicky thing. If that hadn't gone in, Palace fans would be going, "What are you doing? That's we didn't create a lot, and you try and be cheeky in their boxes. Have you really earned those Spurs to do that?" So there's that. Um, then we'll know how they're set up. Uh, they're more mobile than Sheffield United at the back. I mean, it's not Jaggy Elk at the back. It's, right. it's, it's Cahill. But I think where we can have our fun is through the midfield because the midfield, is, to me, um, is... Um, I mean, Eze has done a good job. Riederwald finally is getting playing time. Yep. But as I said earlier, Milovojevic has been a, a source of, of problems um, because he's been so inconsistent. And in the centre of the park is where we will win it. We, if we play the wing backs, we should be able to keep an eye on Eze and Riederwald. And if we do that, um, that's going to be okay while we keep an eye on whoever their three strikers are going to be. And I'm assuming that um, they're going to play uh, Jordan Ayew, Mateta and uh, Andrew Townsend up front. Okay. So if, if they go with the same lineup or similar or the formation 4-3-3 as they did against Brighton, right. we can really focus on that back four. And, um, you know, Cahill and Kiarty are, are, are experienced, um, but they're not... Um, they're not unbeatable. And, and one of the things I liked about Josh Mazur against Burnley and against Sheffield United, but especially against Burnley, I thought he did a great job up front physically, really, really put himself about. And that will be a good way to try and lock them down. But in the midfield, the midfield is going to be the key. Okay. Um, and um, But it, to me, it's a, new, it's, it's a pretty, completely different game because we're so different as a side. And I just don't, I don't think Palace have an identity. They they've got super players, but they're just there's nothing about them. There's to me they're underperforming, and um, but they'll be relieved, and that might, it might be good news for us because they'll have got their point three points against the Seagulls. Right. I think I fancy Russ. What they'll do is they'll open up a little bit, and I think that plays into our hands because of the way we we play counter attacking football. Don't forget we've got um, the Spuds on Thursday, and right. I think we've got Liverpool next Sunday. <laughs> so we've also got to be mindful of a very big week and how we set up. But they shouldn't scare us. They, no, they, they shouldn't. No. They shouldn't. Listen, the one thing that I will say, and I said it the first time that we played, you have to respect this team because you know they're going to be difficult to beat. They they will be difficult to beat one way or another. It's not going to be easy. But I do think that there's an opportunity here. And, and yes, I did watch Burnley tear this team apart. And, again, one of the things that I learned – when I watched the Fulmish podcast from this Crystal Palace supporter, he basically said if you score an early goal, it could be very difficult on Crystal Palace. And I tend to agree with that. But I think that if we get up on this team, I think that we could be in good shape, Giannis. But it's going to be interesting. It's certainly not going to be easy. There's no question about it. It's not going to be easy. But this is a team that I think Fulham are built to be much better than the first time. I thought the first time, we played into their hands. I don't think we're going to be playing into their hands this time. And I think the fact that Wilfred Zaha is not there is a huge part of that. He's not there. Jeffrey Schlupp isn't there. So, you you know, again, they do have some quality players. Let's not, you know, forget that. And you've, you've been naming some of them, but let's, let's, let's go right here because I think, you know, and I put reportedly, the reason why I always do this is because we're not expecting him. It sounds like he's not, but I never know because I've, sometimes I've been surprised. I'm not, we're not expecting Wolford Zaha. It sounds like he's out. 
And this will change a lot what they do, Giannis. And, but if you're Scott Parker and Zaha is out, do you, what does that do to your psyche? Does that, does that give you, know, because I think it's very easy to look at the players that are not playing and think, okay, we have an advantage. I think it's also a trap. I think you're going to be very careful of getting too overconfident when you see a star player being out. Yeah. So I want to talk about that a little bit. This team plays as a team, but they can't go into it knowing reportedly that Zaha is going to be out, that they have some kind of advantage. They're going to have to earn this victory. And they can't take it easy because Zaha's out, Giannis. I want to get your thoughts on the psyche going into a match without playing against someone that is so important to a team like Zaha. I think you've got to be careful not to take it for granted that, you know, you need to do your job. This goes back to uh, Bill Belichick, I think, do your job. And don't let the fact that Zaha is not playing think that, well, this is going to be easier. It's not going to be easier, Giannis. You just might have a, yeah. have a different path to beating this team. There might be an advantage, but it's but that does not mean it's not going that it's going to be easy. This isn't going to be easy, Giannis. No, it won't. I mean, we, we found out uh, the Sheffield United game when Chris Wilder decided to to insult all fans by putting out the lineup that he did. Exactly. I mean, I, I I'm still I'm still annoyed that he he seems to think that with 11 points on the board. You can put Oliver McBurney and Billy Sharp up front, bench um, Norwood. You lose Basham. You've you've lost Egan. You've got 20 million in Brewster on the bench, and you've got Bogle and McGoldrick, and seem to think that after 70 minutes, now you're going to start doing the unthinkable and start attacking. It was, a, it was a, if I was a Sheffield United supporter, I'd be appalled at that approach by Chris Wilder. Um, but in terms of, um, in, in, in terms of Palace, um, there was an interview with Adam Ola-Lukman after the game last week against Sheffield United, and I think I said it all, really, when he was asked about his contribution and his goal against Sheffield United. And he said, we don't worry about anybody else, we worry about ourselves game to game. Right. So, and when you see that and you hear that from the boss and you, you see social media postings, the focus is on the now, but the focus is on ourselves. So That's me, a great point, Giannis. The, these, Scott Parker is an incredibly well-grounded manager, and I think a lot of their players feel like that. So for me, Zahab being out... Um, he will stipulate, he'll go, so what? He's one player, but there's, there's, there are, we've seen with Benteke, we've seen with Mateta, they can burn, we can burn. I would just ways. point to their last victory. I would just say, listen, this exactly. team can still find a way to get all three points just because Wilfred Zaha's not there should not change our mentality going into this match. And you just brought up a good point because Wookman actually, when I heard that, I'm thinking, okay, this team gets it. He gets it. And it's probably the entire team is playing together as a team. They're they're focusing on what they can do and not worried about the teams around them. And if you focus on the task at hand, doing your job, as I always say, Giannis, good things are going to happen. You know, I was very impressed by that interview with Lookman, and that actually made me feel pretty confident that this team is gelling and that they are are saying and doing all the right things. Yeah, and, and let's not forget, Brighton did uh, Palace did something last week that we didn't do in two games against Brighton. That score, <laughs> you know, every two nil nils. But but you know, you can't disrespect any team in any no. division because if you do, then you you get you get bitten on the bum. And so but they're pretty grounded, the lads, right now, and they know yep. it's game to game. They've got they've put themselves in a position where they have an opportunity 
um, to control their destiny, notwithstanding the results of, of teams in and around our zone. And um, they will look at the, the the Palace game, and that they will be they will understand the gravity of their win uh, down at the Amex, the importance of that win. But they will be grounded in the knowledge that, that this is a big game, and this is another litmus test in terms of um, what it is, what it was, and what it is. And the, what it was was dysfunctionality at the cottage against Palace. And what it is, is, not forgetting it's a road game again, it's a team that's a lot more confident. Roy has uh, mentioned it after the, uh, in the presser, the, the post-match against Brighton, he mentioned yep. it for them. He was extremely complimentary about how far they've come. Yep. Um, he is taking this game deadly, deadly seriously. But he's not a player. The players will be, um, uh, they'll be full of vim and vigor and they'll be you know, ebullient about the big win against Brighton and go, well, it's still Fulham, and early in the season, we made it look silly on them, but um, Roy will be leery of us, and I think if we've got everybody in terra firma, it's a game we should look forward to, and feel like we can give a good account of ourselves. And I, I'm really excited for tomorrow's game, because I think it's going to be, apart from the fact of, of having to get up early, which doesn't do anything for no. my, you know, be- my, my beauty, beauty um, it's going to be a good game, and Yep, you know the battle of the foxes, the the, the young fox and the wily old fox. Yes, and um, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. I totally agree, and uh, like I said, I'm fascinated to see the approach of both managers. And uh, it, I think this is going to be a, a tactical type of match where it'll be dictated how these teams are set out, and we'll see how both sets of uh, players uh, react to it. It's going to be interesting, the approach, like you said. So coming up next, we're going to talk about the key players for both sides. We're going to break down the match, and we'll end with our predictions. Okay, Giannis, let's start with key players for Crystal Palace. I'm looking at it from our perspective. Who concerns you? You've mentioned uh, several of them. So what players are you most concerned about in this match? Well, I still don't know how we didn't get our hands on. I don't. I don't know if the Khans made an offer for for Eberechieze, but we saw him, you know, for a number of times in the in the championship last year. Palace um, QPR really loved him, and and you can see why in terms of his performance. He's going to be a very good player. Um, he he worries me. Um, Riedewald, um I think, has been very unlucky this year. He, he's had a couple of injuries, but he didn't seem to be favoured. And, and and you know, sometimes it's it's flavor of the month. I, I look at Inter Milan and Conte and, you know, for the longest time, he's not, he's not picked out, you know, or not, think of the Juventus, but he's not picked, for example, you know, Christian Eriksen and then Eriksen gets yep. a, a Waldy. Um, and then all of a sudden he's, he's playing every game. Uh, Rita Wald is, he's playing okay. Up front, um, I really, I mean, Mateta scored the goal. I didn't think he did a lot against Brighton, but I do like Jordan Mayu and, and okay. he looks very hard, and he provides a lot of speed. So, but pushing forward, um, they have the ability to to dis, to destroy in the break. But that's not what we saw against Brighton. Against Brighton, he was all hands to the pump, uh, defending, sh- blocking shots. It was it was do or die mentality. And it's a long time since I've seen a Palace team play with that much desperation. And they were they yep. played like a team that were desperate. Um, I can't see the same approach for tomorrow. But those are the players as a. Uh, Riedewald and, and Jordan Ayew, um, and they've got a decent bench as well. Yep. Um, and assuming that uh, that um, um, Zaha's out, and, and if Roy says he's out, he's out. 
he said another week, yep. um, then those are the players I think we should worry about. Okay. Now let's flip it. Let's talk about key players for form. You've already said this. You think the key is going to be in, in midfield. Yeah. So is that where you're going to focus for key players? I'm thinking, is this a match where we really need to depend on Harrison Reed? Dare I say Ruben Loftus-Cheek? Thoughts on the key <laughs> players that really need to be firing on all cylinders for form to get all three points? You just you took the words right out, Mark. Those, <laughs> those two. Um, I, I'm really curious to, to see what Lookman's going to do with Ward at right back. I yeah. think he's going to skin, skin him for breakfast. And, um, you know, one of the biggest things that came out of the Sheffield United game was, you know, that, and I don't think it was talked enough about, it was a superb finish by Lookman, but the, the, the ball by Anderson was absolutely sublime. And uh, it took, you know, from the range that he, he passed it, and the fact that Lookman had the chest and he took a bit of a deflection, got a bit of luck there, but he sm- he's not thought, he just smashed it, w- shows that we have the ability to dissect def- defences with one pass accurately. Uh, Tosin can't do that, but Anderson definitely oh, can. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think the centre midfield is where we can have some fun because if we go up, um, uh, you know, against Milivojevic, then I think we're just eating for breakfast, and we're going to put we're going to put pressure in their fullbacks and and definitely in the middle. Cahill's lost a step and a step and a half. Yep. Giata, their keeper, is not is not a bad keeper by any means, um, but I think the midfield is where we're going to dominate. Um, I expect us to create chances, and um, their size pitch, Salahs Park, is a, a seven, maybe a tad bigger than the cottage. It's pretty tight, so it shouldn't give us a problem in terms of dimensions. And I think Palace tend to play better away from home like a lot of teams this year, including right. ourselves. Um, so, you know, the conditions are there to, 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 to put in a good performance. And uh, But I think our midfield are going to be absolutely key. If they get it right, I think uh, we'll have some fun. Okay, and I tend to agree with you on that. Okay, Giannis, we're going to look at it both ways. From Roy's perspective, I'm going to put you in his shoe. Shoes, not shoe, Shoes. How does Crystal Palace win this match? And then I'll put you in the shoes of Scotty. Uh, uh, counter-attacking, because you've got to watch what our fullbacks do, because they uh, Roy has a lot of speed. He know, does. Uh, and they, he's got a lot of players who can pass the ball to. Um, it's going to be sort of interesting, because it's almost like, you know, Palace getting the win against Brighton can mean they can play with more freedom to push forward, but that's not Roy's way. No. Scott, he's a, Scott, he learned from the start of the season very quickly that if they impose themselves quickly, it leaves them you know, open to the counter-attack. So he's probably not going to do that either. So it's almost like, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not saying this would ever happen because it wouldn't, but it's almost like the ball was put in the centre circle and <laughs> the referee blows to the kickoff, and then everybody, wants everybody else and goes, who wants it? <laughs> You know, where they just say, well, I don't want it. You don't want it either. You take um, it. <laughs> yeah, you take it. I mean, it, it, it's, um, it, could, be, it could be a very cagey, cagey affair. Okay. I hope it is because I think that suits us. Okay. I just don't think we have the guns to uh, – we can't play that kind of football even against a team like Palace because they got – even without Zaha, they've got players of quality. They do. So it should be uh, nice and cagey. But it's going to be funny to see, you know – They've not seen us since the third, fourth game of the season. So we're a very different team now. And we are. Um, defensively, we're difficult to break down. So, you know, I, I, I do I do fancy, fancy our chances. So do I, Yanis. So now I'm going to put you in the shoes of Scott Parker. So, well, 
do you think he's going to do? What would you do? Well, I've been looking at the comment box, the comment box here. Okay. Um, you know, and there's some there's some great comments here. Um, uh, you know, CG Jedi Master, you know, Palace Hot Heart and Cold. Absolutely. Yes. Couldn't agree more. Uh, ben uh, talking about, you know, I'd start with Majin, Mitrovic, and, and Lugman. Uh, we know Mitra is going to be is available. The only problem that I would have with that is 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 Josh really a winger? And then what does that do about Dekadova Reed? Because I I think he was rested for most of last game because he's played so much. I think it's, it's I think a lot of it is um it's just it's just management right? It's, it's human management and uh, your muscles get tired and you pick up yep. knocks and what have you. Um, Neil talks about you know Ruben uh, Loftus Cheek and and I've, you know I know that Ruben has received an awful lot of stick this year, but if you watched him play for Palace and Lone a couple of years ago back, he was superb. And he's got for a big man, he doesn't use his size. But man, he's got quick feet, good feet, skill. Does read the game. He, I think just, he just needs to score a goal, Giannis. I think. Yeah, it's always I think like, things will happen once he scores a goal. I could be wrong. You know, he has an he has a V eight cylinder body, but a four cylinder engine. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, you, you look at it and you go, he's got he's got he's got height, he's got size. Yeah, he's a decent runner. He's got quick feet. You go and you look at the body, of the athlete, and you go, you know, that is a that's a sports car. Absolutely, that's, that's a racehorse, but then he turns it up, and it's you know it's also, at times he looks like a hundy pony, you know, and and you go, how does that? Why is there no? Why is there no drive there? But he, he, you know, there's a reason he's play, he's played for England. There's a reason that Chelsea were high on him. He's only 25 years of age, and he seems like a very really likable character and just a likable player. And you know he's working hard, but he doesn't have a he doesn't have that. Of a Harrison Reed, no, no, and you can't give you can't. So um, Neil said he's going to deliver something big at some point, and I agree. I hope so. I I, I think Neil's wrong. Do you wait? Do you agree or disagree? I, I agree. He's going to deliver something, but I think he's going to just pop up in a thirty-five yard worldie, and we're all <laughs> going to all our heads are going to go rolling down a hill because I just think he has that. Um, um, he has. A little bit of the flamboyance I used to see back in the 1970s and 80s with players that have skill and thing, and sometimes, you know, they're, they're considered a risk to play for their national team because yep. they're not very consistent. I wouldn't say Matt Letizia, but he's got something about him that you, go, you don't know what he's going to do next. That run he played in the Sheff- Sheffield United, what, the run from outside the box. That was, was fantastic. Superb. I just wish he scored. But... I wish he scored because he could he could really do with that. Um but uh, I think he's going to come good. CG talks about playing Lookman, Maja, and, and BDR, and I, I, I'm more in favour of that. I think I think okay. BDR's work rate is going to be a problem. Well, you said that on several occasions. You know, Bobby Decadover Reed, you know, just gives you everything that he can, and he you can play him in several different positions. But um, I think that they're you know again, it's interesting. Where do you fit all these players? So it's going to be interesting uh, when we talk about starting eleven. For you, Giannis, what you're going to oh. go with because of, because I'm I'm fascinated by this. I'm I'm fascinated. What's interesting about the job Scott Parker has is that if we go back to say some of Roy's teams, you could pick Roy's team. It, you know, again, yeah. you could pick the team. It was pretty consistent. What I find interesting and I think is actually an advantage for Fulham is that he's got players that he can mix and match. Giannis, he can he can 
to the opponent. He can play certain players against an opponent that he might not play against a, a different opponent. So I think that um, there's a lot of, I guess you could say, flexibility would be a good word with this foam side that I think gives us an advantage. Against a certain opponent, maybe he plays Bobby Decadovery. Against another opponent, maybe he starts, dare I say, Ivan Cavallaro. I'm just saying he has that flexibility to play a lot of different players to hopefully put these players in the right position to succeed. Okay, my friend, let's not waste any more time. Let's break this down. So I want to go to you, and I want to get your starting 11. You ready for this and your formation? Okay, let's see if I can get it right this week. Hopefully, can do so. So I'm going to go for a four, yeah. I'm going to go for a four. I'm going to go for a four-two-three-one to start. So okay. our, our friend, our friend, of course, Alphonse, who we love to death. Eight million pounds is the option on him. Oh, sign, sign, yeah, exactly. Sign him yesterday, if not last year. Um, back four, uh, I would stick with. Um, well, this is going to be interesting. I'm curious. What, what you're going to go with yeah, there, yeah. especially gonna, the fullbacks. I'm curious. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the same back four that started against Sheffield United. So I'm going okay. to go Aynor on the right, uh, Robinson on the left, uh, Anderson and Tosin. Now, Robinson, you know, has been a little bit in and out. It was really between him and, you know, potential of flipping Aynor over to the left and put Tete on put the right. Tete back. But I do like, I, I think Robinson, I mean, he's crossing. Uh, Teddy, Teddy Donella was saying the other night his crossing yep. is woeful, and I, I think we can all agree on that. Yes. Um, but in terms of his defensive work, for considering his first year in the Premier League, I think he's been very, very good. So I'd stick him there. there um, give, give him another go there. In the okay. midfield, in the midfield, I really wrestled with this one. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Zambo and, and Reed. Okay. But, uh, but Lamina is the one that I'm was possibly to, because I think Lamina's done well and I thought maybe do you give Angus needed a break a few games ago you could see that but then you saw that Sheffield United played really well and da, da, da. the three uh, in front of him I play I, I play um, I play Loftus-Cheek in the 10 okay. um, I put Bobby on the right and I put uh, Adam Ola on the left and then okay. I, play, I play Madger up front so okay. really Cavs um, has to make way for BDR. Um, okay. I mean, Ivor said something the other night about really the value of Cavs, and, and it's really not a lot. Uh, you know, you look at Knockout. I was watching last night the past Derby, Nottingham Forest, similar sort of players. Actually, I think Knockout did better last year in terms of. I was going to say, I think that they are similar, Giannis, but I think what we've learned about Cavalera and Knockout is that their level is not what we need them to be to start in the Premier League, maybe give you some minutes off the bench. But Cavalero, you know, and again, I know Cavalero has started a bunch for Fulham. And I understand that Scott Parker likes him. And I get it because of his work rate. But I think I think he is what he is. I don't think that he, he's a regular Premier League starter. I, You know, no. I, he's just not clinical enough. I think we see his level, and I don't think it's the – high level that we need. It's funny because I was thinking about this and maybe in a future show, I'd like to go through all of our players and just ask the question, are they a Premier League player that comes off the bench, a Premier League starter, or are they really a championship player? Go through everyone. I thought that might be interesting to get everyone's view on what we all think about these players. And with Cavallaro, 
I actually think he's a championship player. I I, I think mm-hmm. along with Knockhart, I think there's a reason why those players are gone from their other sides, Giannis. I, I think there's a reason for it. I think there's a reason why Wolves let him go. I think there's a reason why Brighton let uh, Knockhart go. I, I, I think they knew something. Yeah, it's a case of mugging teams off, right? I think we mugged City off to get Tosin as, good, we did. as incredible as City We did, are. but I think that we've had our share where we've been taken to the cleaners oh. a little bit. And at the time, you're not thinking that way. You're thinking, you're looking at the history of Cavalero and then, of course, of Knockhart being championship player of the year. You're thinking, okay, but I, yeah. I, think, I, I just don't think we got what we thought we were going to get from those two players. Yeah, I agree, and it, and it's um, I was just thinking I was watching um, highlights of Europa League on Thursday night, and um, Rangers beat Royal Antwerp five two in the second leg of the round of thirty two, and our our friend uh, Maxime Le Mar- Monsieur Le Marchand gave away a penalty, um, and this you had to see to believe it, it was so clumsy. It was like, mind you, the pitch up at Ibrox wasn't great. Uh, and no one's saying Rangers are going to win the the, the the Europa League. They're going to win the, the Scottish Premier League this year. But Le Marchand looks so clumsy, and you know we've we've had Luxeri and to a significant Le Marchand carry as as you said Caballero. Don't forget. Yeah. Let's not forget Seri. Christ. Yeah, you know, there was another one. But um, but then you know the, the, then there'd, there'd be the counter attack, and somebody would turn around and say, "Well, look at that goal that Cavs scored against Tottenham." The header when he beat, you know, uh, you know when he beat. Um, this is uh, true. Yeah, and you go, well, if he can do that, and he was dynamic against Liverpool. He yes, was, he was. So, I mean, yeah. how, so the, but there's the the incons- there's the, the the consistency piece, right? Um, but this lineup, I think, um, you know, as I no, said, I like two- your lineup. I think, I think, I actually really like that lineup. But I'm just going to share some comments because I, I think people agree with you. First of all. My friend uh, Chris is Scotty Peachy go four two three one, and this is from Neil a hundred percent agreement on that starting eleven. Okay, so then let's go here. Let's see what uh, Ben is. Is it BDR and Lookman start on sides? Maybe change their sides throughout. Same with Cavalier when he comes on. Is he's better coming in from the left side? Interesting take there, Giannis. Okay, very good stuff. All right, Giannis, let's finish this up. Let's go to predictions. Mm-hmm. I've actually already given my prediction to a website. So so this isn't going to be a shock to anyone that has seen this. But um I'm curious uh your prediction, Yanis. Give me your prediction for the match. Oh my God. Well the good news is that Mark Lawrenson on BBC predicted we were going to lose. He did. And then, yeah and he does. But this is the guy that's only once in the last five years ever predicted a Liverpool loss. <laughs> and of course everybody knows that Lawrence was a Liverpool legend for about a fantastic player. Um, he just doesn't fancy us, to be honest. Um, yeah, that's my cat still in heat in the background. If you're hearing that, <laughs> I'm going to say I'm, I think we're going to win this one nothing. And I and I I mentioned earlier in the show about yep. Zahar. Zahar to me is a one to one point five goal. You know, um, I thought that if he was playing, you think tomorrow, it swings it that much? If you I, if you were better, we'll put this in betting terms. That would swing the line tremendously the other way just by him not being in there. I agree. I'd, be, I'd, I'd say that if we got a draw against the Palace at Sellers Park with Zahar in the lineup, I'd actually be pretty pleased. I just I rate him that much. I, okay. I, I do. Um, but he's not there. And I thought they were very lucky against Brighton. They can say whatever they were. Brighton right now are 
hitting Brighton are at a point they've hit a rut where they could have they could buy 999 lottery tickets right and there are a thousand winners they pick out the one and it's the one that loses I mean nothing's going they were very unlucky against Palace yep. and today they were very unlucky although they were architects of their own demise and they'll, there'll be some fallout from what Lee Mason did because sure. you don't want you don't as a player that's horrific if a half in you're going oh what is this ref doing because it's it, it's a, it makes it really tough then you, you you start not to trust the officials and you know and then someone like Graham Potter who to me is an excellent manager and very even kill can tell me go well like what 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 is this having said that he'll also probably say look we've missed two penalties right um it's you know da 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 um CG said Lee Mason should be fired. Yeah, that was a, it was an awful, awful thing. By the way, um, before we round out the show, I, I don't know if Ivor's going to be watching. He could be. If Ivor's watching, I know that he's probably drinking right now, by the way. <laughs> he's probably drinking. He might even be inebriated now because Wales beat England 40 to 24 today in the Six Nations, which is a killer, but it is for the Welsh, it's everything to beat England. So if you're watching Ivor and all the Welsh players, <laughs> Congratulations on the win. It hates I hate myself to say congratulations to Wales. Trust me, but I'll congratulate you. Even though there were a couple of dodgy calls in that game, but yeah. by, by the way, I want to congratulate. Yeah. And and by the way, the next uh, when we hang up, there's uh, yep. Wolves upon Newcastle. Big game coming up. If Wolves can take care of that business, that right. means technically we could go, we could get out of the bottom three tomorrow. Um, oh, jeez. Okay, and I just want to mention this. We are recording this. Just about ten minutes before that match starts, and uh, that to me, you know, again, I'm going to watch it uh, very soon after we finish this, after uh, after I post the show. But uh, very interesting stuff. I haven't given my prediction yet, and uh, my prediction was, and still is, two nil. So I'm going two nil to full. And Ooh, I'm, I like. And I'm I going with my friend that. here. My friends, my friend here. I'm with you. Two nil. I actually. I made this prediction about three or four days ago. So I'm sticking with it. I'm not changing my mind. This was before I, I had the news on Zaha. I feel that Scott Parker will take what he learned from that first matchup. And I think that uh, I think Fulham are going to take it a little bit to Crystal Palace. But they'll, they will be wary of the counterattack, Giannis. But I think that we're going to see a positive approach. I, I don't think it's going to be as cagey. As many think, I think Fulmer might be a little bit more proactive than normal. Could be wrong on this. I don't think it's going to be like Sheffield United in the first half. I think it might be a little bit like we played against Everton. Now, Everton and Crystal Palace are very different teams. I'm just talking about the approach from Fulmer. I think it, I think it might be more forward thinking. Mm. We'll see. Or I could be dead wrong and it's a cagey game and it could go down to you know, that all go. I, I hope it doesn't come to that. It's funny. And, and I want to mention this because this really irritated me because we're talking about predictions and we're talking about a show that I, I listen to. Anyone in America that has Sirius XM and has uh, Sirius XM FC, which is a great channel for football. It's fantastic. They have some great shows. One is called Counterattack. And they do this segment Friday nights where they break down all the Premier League matches, Giannis. And they then say, which matches is your snooze fest? So Charlie Davies, 
who used to play for the New England Revo- Revolution at, at one point. He's played for a bunch of teams. Charlie, you really upset me last night. You picked Crystal Palace versus Fulham as your snooze fest. And I actually tweeted to him and said, you're wrong, Charlie. You are wrong because if you want to look at Crystal Palace, I can see that, but not Fulham. Fulham will not put this sleep. He also said that Fulham are, are in the mindset hoping to, to hang around. I said, again, Fulham are going to do more than hang around, Charlie. I, I hope you watch this because you actually, you know, I have a lot of respect for you, but I was very disappointed by you, Charlie Davies, that you picked Fulham, well, Crystal Palace versus Fulham is your snooze fest. It's not going to be a snooze fest. It's going to be a Fulham victory 2-0. Okay. And that's, that's and it's, and it's, you raise an interesting point. And you raise a very good point as well because when you make those when you make those um, you know prognostications, predictions, whatever, I think it's really incumbent on the person that makes the judgment, and we're all entitled to to, the, to, to at least have seen the we team are, and say, "Well, yeah." But I have to ask, how many matches has he has he watched? Has he watched the yeah, has he watched? And I think you know, it, I think it's really important that you have that that perspective. I get annoyed at that. You know, if you're watching TV, and it's it's the Man City, Man United, Liverpool. Tottenham, Arsenal, Everton um, centric focus, and basically it's the little minions at the bo- at the bottom. But every team really does have its value. I mean, you look at say um, you could say, okay, we've fallen. Play- we've got to still have to play Burnley down at the cottage, and you could say, well, that'll be a snooze face. But it's right. a, it's it, it's 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 a clash of very different styles. You have, you look at Burnley in you know, isolation and what they do. Just watch them and how incredibly hard they work in their, in their system. Yes, it's an assault on the senses, but it is entertaining in the way, in terms of the way that see, you're entertaining. See, I'm glad that you brought that up, and because Giannis, it's, no one would say just outright, you know, Burnley are entertaining. But if you are looking at it a different way, if you if you're appreciating what they do, you can appreciate Burnley for who they are. Yes. I can appreciate. It's. Not that I enjoy their style, but I can appreciate it if that makes any sense. Yeah, and it's it, you can't you know it, it's um uh, you, you some Ben um, no CG said Spurs Burnley is just snooze fest. Well, yeah, I can understand the in a way this, because Spurs have so much talent. And you go, why have they, you've got players like you know you've got Kane and Son. But and, see, the problem with Spurs is, is how they're set up right now. That's yeah. the problem, and that's Mourinho, and, that's, and that's Mourinho. That's Mourinho, or in, 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 where Sean Dyche has, he's in, a, he's in a, a, a famous club, but they don't have any money. Um, there's no fans coming in, and but he's made, um, he, he he's made them look like a really tough, functional team that um, work extremely hard, and they they will wear you down. That's the way they do it. They're not fussy. They're not fancy. People could say, "Well, I can actually appreciate but, that." Yeah. I, I can appreciate, you know, it's funny because even you want to go back and talk about the Roy Hodgson teams that he had under form, you know, it it wasn't flashy, Giannis, but everyone did their job. And uh, when they were on the road, they were obviously just trying to play for the point. But at home, he was a little bit more expansive. But again, they were never flashy. But I enjoyed the hell out of those teams. I enjoyed those teams. So that's why... Whenever I see stuff like that, I'm, you know, as someone put here, you know, Ben Lawrence, it sounds like a top six glory hunter, Russ. And I would tend to agree with that because, you know, how about some of these matches between these top sides when when it's nil nil? How entertaining is that? How much of a snooze fest was that? Okay. So again, I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm going off a little bit on this, but I'm, I'm listening to this at the end. 
at, on a Friday night listening to some talk about the Premier League, and then they're taking a shot at this match, and I'm thinking, you know, and, and Charlie, and I'm like, Charlie, I guarantee you have not watched Fulham play Everton. Guarantee you didn't see them play Liverpool, because if you have, you wouldn't be saying that. Anyways. That, that, and, and by the way, just and to, to, to add further fuel to that argument, it's like the, the, the prognosticators out there go, oh, look at Marcelo Bielsa, look at Leeds United, they play sexy football, they've just lost their 13th game. That's they right. have lost more games than us. Exactly. That's the point, Giannis. I'm glad that you brought that up. And I brought this up in a former show. For for everyone that talks glowingly about Leeds United, Fulham have less losses than they do. Yes. So so what does that tell you? Would you rather be watching Leeds United as a neutral? And again, that's fine as a neutral. But you know what? Honestly, I care about my side. And I would rather watch Fulham. Because I know Fulham are going to be difficult to beat, and I know that they actually have some talent. Hopefully, eventually score some goals. But I like the way that the, this team plays together. When I watch Leeds United, and again, I just watched the match. They are up and down, up and down. Defensively, they're a mess, but they score a lot of goals, and they look good on paper. They look great on paper. They look great to the neutral. I don't know. Give me Fulham over Leeds United. That's how I'm going to end this show. Give me yep. Fulham. I'll just leave it at Every that. Day of the week. <laughs> Every bloody day of the week. Let's wrap Come on you wolves. What? Come on, you wolves. That's right. Wolves That's right. We're wrapping this up right before a huge match for Wolves, and we're all pulling for Wolves. But that's good for this episode of Cottage Talk. For Yash and Ansan, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.